And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Keith Law. Welcome to episode 93 of The Keith Law Show. I will be joined this week by Jonathan Mayo of MLB.com. We will talk about this year's MLB draft. He and I both posted mock drafts last week. Subscribers to The Athletic can read mine. You can read his for free on MLB.com. We had quite a bit in common between the two mocks. We talk a little bit about that, what we're hearing, what the differences are, and what general trends we think we're going to see in this year's draft class. I also did a Q&A on The Athletic for subscribers, mostly answering questions from folks about the mock draft with a few other prospect questions thrown in for good measure. Now it is my pleasure to be joined by my very longtime friend, Jonathan Mayo, who covers the draft and prospects in general for MLB.com. And as it turns out, he and I both put out mock drafts the same day last week on Tuesday the 19th. So this is a dueling mock draft podcast. Jonathan, are you ready to defend your mock? Yeah, although I have to say that I think longtime friend is a euphemism for really old. We're really old. (laughs) I've known you for... We're pushing 25 years at this point, right? 20 plus. Uh, 20 plus for yeah. sure. I mean, I've been at MLB.com for 23. So. Oh my God. Yeah. Yep. I um, I took my daughter to DMV the day we're recording this to get her license. Yeah. Uh-huh. My son's turning 21. God. The This weekend. Uh, you know, we're recording here on a Friday. So yeah. Sunday. Oh, happy 21. birthday to your son. Oh Thank my you. God. Yes. That's, that's as terrifying as 16, I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. So let's start at the top because we do have different names. I will say for folks who haven't seen our mocks, Jonathan's up at MLB.com. It's free. Mine is at The Athletic. You have to be a subscriber to see it. Overall, we have a lot of the same names. We just have them in slightly different order. And the big difference, big guest difference, I think, is who we have at one. You have Jackson Holiday, Matt's kid. Uh, shortstop, high school shortstop from Oklahoma, who's had a hell of a spring. Um, and I had Jacob Berry of LSU. So talk a little bit about you know, why is Holiday one? And just generally, where do you think the Orioles are going? Because obviously, we're two months out. None of Nothing is set in stone. So I don't want to treat it like that. But what's your thought on what, how the Orioles are going to treat this pick? Right. And, and nothing is set in stone. And we both know that the Orioles keep things very close to the vest. So we're, you know, we're going to be guessing right up to the end in all likelihood. Um, and, you know, I will say, you know, you had Jacob Berry. I, my first mock, uh, you know, Jim and I are alternating, but mine was three weeks ago or whatever. And okay. I had Brooks, I had Brooks Lee at number one. So I went the same sure. route uh, for the first one. And then, uh, Jim Callis, my colleague, put Drew Jones as that this is what it would look like if they went with the best player. Yep. Um, so all I did was sort of pick, it was almost like a hybrid. And it was reflecting on just having talked to a couple people who were saying that the Orioles are really heavily scouting Jackson Holiday. And he, and I know he's in their mix. So two months out, 
why not mix it up? And I think the thing that, you know, Jackson Holiday, who, yeah, he has had a, a an exceptional spring after a not so great summer, um, is that they could take a kind of high end high school guy with a lot of upside and probably save a little more money than if they took Drew Jones. Yes. So they could kind of have the, you know, a, a little from column A in the money saving route, which is the Jacob Berry or Brooks Lee route, uh, and, a, or, and a little from column B in terms of taking a guy who's really good. Now, do I th- think that I'll have Jackson Holiday at 1 1 in July? No, I don't think so, unless we get some information. But I, you know, I, at this point, when we do our mocks, I, you know, I kind of just like to give different possibilities with the, with the hope that each name in each team is something that is at least feasible. And Jackson holiday is feasible at this point. And so let's talk about Drew Jones for a second. He's one on, I believe your, it's mm-hmm. your collective list. When you do a ranking, right? This is your collective effort, your mocks you do individually. Yep. I have also my big board, which is a hundred. You've got 150. You actually just mentioned before we started recording, you've got a rank. You're going to 200 next week. Next yeah. week. Okay. So I'll keep an eye out for that. Um, so I can tell everybody it's wrong, obviously. <laughs> we course. all have, and I mean, We've all got Drew Jones at one. I think Eric over at Fangrass also has Drew at one. Like we're we're all pretty much on the same page here that Drew Jones is one. We're just maybe differing on how far ahead he is. But for the purposes of the mock, he if he doesn't go one, I feel like he goes two, and that's just the end of it. Yes, and that's uh, right because I I think the Diamondbacks are very much, especially because they're picking two. But in general, uh, I think they they're very much we're going to take the best player on the board. I mean, that's why they took Jordan Lawler last year. So far that seems to be working out. Okay. Um, with the way he's been, been hitting. So I think they would be thrilled, uh, to take drew Jones. Now, if for some reason, you know, the one thing, you know, we don't know about is dollar figures and things of that nature. The, the diamondbacks have not shied away from just taking a guy. If they feel that that's the, the best guy that they want. So I think they take him. Uh, my understanding is the Texas Rangers would do cartwheels if Drew Jones were there at three. So the, that's the absolutely as far as he'll go. Um, but I do I, I agree with you that if the Orioles don't take Drew Jones, that this is of course the son of Andrew Jones, then then the Diamondbacks will take him. And to me, where this really comes into the putting the way we assemble our mocks is also if you know, and I'm piggybacking off what you just said too. If the if we Start with the assumption that the Orioles would like to take someone at one and sign him for under slot so that they have extra money to spend because they have two extra picks. They have one in the comp A round and they traded for one, I think, in the comp B round. I may have those flipped, but they have two extra picks. So they pick, obviously, for folks who don't know, they pick the first pick of every round. So they pick first and second round, the third round, et cetera, plus an extra pick between the first and second rounds and an extra pick between the second and third rounds. They have a lot of room to take a lot of they could take a lot of high ceiling players. I said in my chat yesterday, they could do what the Pirates did last year. The Pirates, I thought, got two additional first round talents in Anthony Salamedo and Bubba Chandler after saving money on Henry Davis. The reason I bring this up is if you're the Orioles, if you're actually put it the other way, if you're Drew Jones, you're saying, I don't have to take a big discount. If you don't take me at one, I'm going two. And that's why I feel like it's much less likely that they take him. I don't want to say never because we don't know. It's the Orioles. But they could probably, if they believe that there are multiple players who are about the same, 
they could probably get a bigger discount with literally anyone else on their list than they would with Drew Jones because he is the most likely to say, no, I'm I'm going with the next pick. I don't have to take a discount. Right. I, I think that's right. I think, you know, the difference between this year and last is that, you know, last year there was not a consensus. This is the top guy. Yes. Um, and so I think the Pirates, you know, it was all things being equal. They and and Henry Davis blew them away, you know, in interviews and things like that, along with you know what he could do offensively. So mm-hmm. like, wow, we love this guy's makeup. You know, I think they were the high team in terms of, yeah, I think he can catch. Yep. Um, so why not do what they did? And they got, you know, the the two arms you said and Lonnie White. So that worked. I, you know, the cautionary tale, of course, is the Orioles who, you know, the last couple of years have done this and then not been able to get the guy that they were trying to push down to them with that next pick. So, you know, as long as you have a plan B, C, D, uh, and, 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 you know, have some high school arms, you know, in all likelihood, uh, or, you know, maybe two sport guys who are, you know, hard to sign, whatever it is, then you can, you can adjust, uh, on the fly, you know, the Orioles, unfortunately, I think they're, you know, the, at least one or one or two times where they, they could have, you know, that they, they had a guy in mind and someone took them before yeah. there's no guarantee that the guy you want is going to be there. So I, I think that's where you have to have to be cautious. And, you know, and the other thing you're right about Drew Jones in terms of like, he can say, I can just go two, but, you know, we both know the one, one guy doesn't sign for full slot, like ever. Right. Um, so even if he doesn't take a discount, the Orioles will still save some money. And because their pool is so large, they could take Drew Jones and also be aggressive in getting one other guy. And, mm-hmm. you know, Drew Jones might be the guy that that's worth doing with, you know, just because he he is so good. Now, I am actually in the camp that I don't think there's that much separating him and Elijah Green at this point. Sure. A lot of other people feel like it's some big canyon worth, and I, I'm I'm not in that camp. I think Elijah Green's answered a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a little more risk? Yeah, yep. there is. But that's why Drew Jones is one, and Elijah Green is two. Somebody compared this to me, saying they 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 believe that for the Orioles it was similar. As the Orioles look at this, cl- the the small group of players who thinking just in terms of rankings who would be one one worthy that it was not too dissimilar from 2012 uh, when the Astros picked first and it was Carlos Correa and Byron Buxton right who I think we both had the I, I don't remember if you had I had Buxton one and Correa two but said they're really close and I feel like you guys had pretty much the same I think we had Correa six uh, or somewhere around there we did not have them to, I think I don't so there were four guys in the Astros mix essentially Correa Buxton Freed and um Moran Colin Moran and said these guys were all pretty similar to us and so it was where where do we get the best deal and that the Orioles are essentially looking at it um kind of like you just described this year where you think between for you it's Elijah Green for me it's Cam Collier but I'd also say there's there's a couple of other guys who could be in that little cluster and you could say we're fine if we don't get Drew Jones because we think these other guys are pretty close and you know what might be a I don't know, a half million dollar difference in our model might be a $2 million difference of what we actually pay them in the draft. And that lets us go out and get, say, one of these high school pitchers. And let's talk about that in a sec. But uh, that 
it could be a much bigger financial difference for them that they say, hey, if this gets us an extra first round talent later, it's worth passing on Drew Jones. I mean, that's what I'm hearing. And it sounds like that's kind of your sense. Well, and well. I think that's probably what they'll they'll sort of bat around. And, you know, I, I think, you know, the the, the concern not just with the Orioles, but in general is like being too smart for your own good. Sometimes you just take the guy who's the best guy. So, you know, it will remain to be seen. And I don't know what the Orioles evaluations are. They, they may not have that much separation between, as you, to your point, you know, between Drew Jones and someone else. Right. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. And there's just a whole lot of time. Um, I keep looking at the calendar and I'm like, I don't know if you've gotten this, but every time I talk to a scouting director, they're like, Can we just, have the draft tomorrow please like it's oh my god just wait it's like, like there's two months it's insane everybody wants to i mean somebody said to me the other day and i quote can we just put a bow on this thing yeah like we're done i am in the camp that says if you just put it at the end of june right after the college world series ends that'd be perfect right because we would lose the whole like draft a guy and he's still playing phenomenon but you know what then a couple guys like carson wisenhunt's gonna go pitch on the cape it gives him two, three starts before the draft. If the, even if the draft were June 30th rather than uh, July 17th, when it actually is, it gives a few of those guys one last chance. Or even guys who had bad years or want yeah. to show how they do against uh, better better competition. Better competition. We, we were just saying that we heard that Cam Collier, it looks like, might be playing on the Cape. I heard that too. I didn't know if that was real. Um, I, I don't I don't yeah. either. I haven't had a chance to, to look into it, but um, obviously people like him already. Yeah. yeah, if he goes and it's almost like a pre-draft and follow, right? It's like, all right, we're interested in this guy, but boy, now that he, you know, if Cam Collier goes to the Cape and goes off, then suddenly he goes from a really, you know, interesting, I mean, he's definitely a first rounder, Yeah, but does he become a top five pick or whatever, whatever the ceiling is for him? There's no downside for him there because if he goes there and he's not great, it's like, well, he's 17. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I feel like they've played this perfectly. Most players could not do this. Obviously, you have to have the ability and, frankly, the maturity to be able to leave high school two years early, go play at arguably the best junior college program in the country, and perform as a 17-year-old. Obviously, not everyone could do that. But now he set himself up where his his leverage is unbelievable, right? Because he could – hell, he could go to college and you know be back in the draft as a super young junior uh, two years from now. Like He's got – all kinds of options. Yep. And you know, I've said this in a few places. I think you, I don't remember if it was you or Jim, but you've pointed this out as well. Like in team models, he looks great because he's 17. And so all the teams that really value age, I mean, God, if Cleveland picked the top five, do you think they could, like they, they couldn't stop? The computer would just make the pick. It wouldn't even <laughs> ask anybody. It would override, right? Yes. I'm sorry, Dave. I can't do that. It would just be, <laughs> right? He would, I mean, it's almost hard from my perspective to, I, I don't want to overstate the importance of that, but I know it really counts in a lot of team models. And I asked a team that was drafting much, much lower too. What's this going to do in your model? He said that actually the problem we have is we don't have comparables. We just don't see 17 year old junior college players. I mean, Bryce Harper, that's yeah, not a comparable. I mean, you don't want, no, you can't do that. Um, right. And it's, listen, it's one, it would be one thing if Cam Collier went out and hit, you know, a buck 90 in mm-hmm. Chipola, right? He, he, more than held his own. Like yeah. I can hit yeah. and he's super young. Yeah. He's interesting. He certainly yeah. is one of the more intriguing guys and you're right. The age model. Uh, it's funny because Jim and I always bristle at the the reverse end of that when they're like a guy is old. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, you know, it's so funny because, you know, Brett Beatty was old and now he's 21 yeah. in double a, and, you know, like, and would have been 
people would have been falling over themselves as a draft eligible sophomore. And I get it. You know, yep. there's more history track record against better competition, things like that. But I'm like, I do think sometimes that teams that use that model as a be all end all and throw a guy off their board because he gets dinged because of that age thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, make, wait, sure. Take it into account, but you, yep. you can miss out on some good players. If you just completely only use that. Yeah. Well, Bobby Witt Jr. was 19 on draft yep. day. I think Jordan Lawler turned 19 two days after the draft. I just pulled up. Lawler has a 457 OBP, 570 slug as a 19-year-old in low A. Right. It'll probably, he'll, he'll be, yeah, he'll be in high A uh, by, you know, by midseason. And then he'll be like the youngest regular there or whatever right. it is. And he'll be 19 in the Futures game, which is the day of the draft. And we'll be like, oh, that worked out, didn't it? The day before the draft. The Futures game is on Saturday now. Oh, it's on Saturday. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, good. I'm glad you told me that. Why I hope you didn't make the travel yet. plans yet. I did yeah. not yet. <laughs> and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub an official partner of The Athletic. I want to talk about that high school pitcher point, and we'll, we'll talk about some specific names too. I'm curious, you, and it, you have clearly heard some of the same stuff I've heard on who might be the first healthy high school pitcher taken at least. But I feel like in this draft, obviously there's a billion college pitchers now who've had Tommy John. It seems like everybody who pops up, he might go in the first round. Oh, wait, never nope. mind. Yep. Yes. We regret to inform you that he has also had Tommy John surgery. Um, what do you think that, do you think that teams who would ordinarily maybe be reluctant to take a high school pitcher that high are just going to say, screw it. There's no other pitching this year. And we're going to change our preference. Just basically this one year to reflect the draft pool. Or do you feel like we will still see, and I think your mock sort of answered this, but I won't preempt you. We will still see the preference for the position players and these high school pitchers come off the board once we get into, we come back around and we get into team second picks. I, I think it's more the latter. Uh, you know, it could be wrong, uh, but I think teams may, there may be, uh, there may end up being a, a pretty nice sized pool of high school arms that a whole bunch of teams will overpay for. Cause they didn't want to take them in the first, but they're willing to, you know, move money around uh, if they, if they need to. Yeah. You know, my mock, I had the only pitcher I had going in the, in the top 12 or whatever it was, certainly the top 10 was uh, Brock Porter mm-hmm. um, again, healthy performing well, uh, but from a cold weather state in Michigan. And yeah, I don't know. Yep. Um, but the rest of them now are, are, are hard to, you know, are really hard to place. Obviously if, if Dylan Lesko's healthy, 
there's always, I think, at least one outlier, a high school pitcher who really deserves just because he's that good to go. Yeah. And I know your feelings about high school pitching in the first round in general, but you know, there are there are exceptions to every rule. But um this year Lesko was that guy. Yes, he um, was. And then he broke down. Now, I think that he could go in the middle of the first round. Mm-hmm. He could go in the comp round. He could go in the second round and get paid. Like, you know, at the end of the day, it, it almost doesn't really matter. You almost have to line up the high school pitching based on what their bonuses are, um, especially if a guy gets Tommy John. I mean, that's the thing is like a college guy with Tommy John. We've seen that more and more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think there's not enough data to know exactly what the result will be. You know, sure. Right. Walker Bueller is, you know, whatever when it wants to circle the high school guys. I mean, there's Lucas Giolito who didn't mm-hmm. have surgery until after he was drafted, but everyone knew. Yep. And that's kind of it for the first round. Right. I think, isn't he the only one if we've had some of those guys go later, right? Dax Fulton was second round. Yeah. Right. So that's what I'm saying. This was hard to pinpoint. And then, you know, uh, you know, before we started uh, taping, you, you know, we were talking about Andrew Dukanich as a guy who, you know, again, cold weather state, mm-hmm. but started out great. was kind of float, starting to float up boards uh, probably because of that lack of healthy pitching, but also, yes. I mean, he kind of fits came the out mold. hot. Yeah. And he fits the mold. Right. Yes. And, yes. um, and then he had two bad starts and he went from like a top 10 pick to, you know, to me, you know, like it was all right. of a sudden it was like, Does Oh, he go he's, to ter- school? he's terrible. I'm like, um, slow down. Like, let's yeah. see what happens. So I don't, you know, I think my last mock. I mean, I know my last mock, I, put him at the very end of the first round to reflect yep. the, you know, the news that he, he clearly people are kind of backing off of him, but there's certainly time. I don't know what's left in his, in his season, you know, he'll do private workouts and things like that, but he could kind of float back up into the middle of the first round, I would think. But mm-hmm. uh, it's always hard to figure out where those, the high school, especially the high school right-handers are going to go. Yes. Um, you know, and then some of the high school lefties are going to go. Mm-hmm. And they're hard to pinpoint. I mean, I don't know what you make of Brandon Barrera, who just shut it down, you know, yeah. in like late April. I, I, part of me is like, smart, right? You're yes. not going to get hurt. Yeah. Part of me is like, you, like he didn't pitch in his team's playoffs. It was like I, I don't, I don't totally understand the strategy there. But there are a bunch of teams up and down the first round who really like Brandon Barrera because he's pretty good and he's left-handed. Yeah. Oh, and I heard that last outing. I ended up talking to three separate guys who were there and all came back with nearly identical reports and raving. And yeah, this mm-hmm. guy's clearly a first. And even one, it was like, it's not for us, but how is that not the first high school pitcher taken? Um, it's funny because you had Porter going ninth to the Royals. I mentioned him as a possibility for the Royals. So clearly we've heard the same thing. I had him going a little bit lower than that. But I do think he, of all of the healthy high school pitchers, he's the one who's kind of most consolidated his case to go somewhere in that, you know, I think his market starts around nine, nine, 10, and then within the next five picks or so, he probably goes because healthy posted every week has looked very consistent, checks all the boxes, so to speak. And seems like we don't know specific numbers, but people think he's going to sign. 
Whereas a lot of these other guys we either don't know or there's just the expectation that like Noah Schultz in Illinois, right, who's had mono anyway, so he hasn't pitched a lot this spring. But people are just like, he's probably going to school. We'll see when we get to July, but there are some that people have scouted. They just say, that one's probably going to school. But for whatever reason, the belief is Porter is at least willing to sign if he's getting first round money. Right. And combine that with the fact that most people seem to think that the Royals at nine are really the first team that would consider an arm. Any arm, right? Yes. So I that's heard why. The same thing. So yep. that's why that's why I, I put him, you know, put him there. We'll see, yeah. you know, see we'll see what happens on, on that front. And uh yeah, it's just there are so there are so many question marks um, that it's hard to know. It's I, I didn't end up putting Jackson Ferris in the first round. He's probably the, the you know after, you know with Barrera in terms mm-hmm. of high school lefties. I could have you know I could have put him at the back end. He could go in the back end. He could go in the comp round. Um, I like just putting in you know different names. I had Ferris in my first mock. So, uh, but he's another one that sort of is in that bucket of yeah. If he went in the first from you know mid to late first round would make perfect sense to me Yep. just because if he doesn't, doesn't mean there's anything wrong with him. You know, he, he could go in the second or third round and get paid. Like he got taken in the first round and it's kind of the same deal. I think we're going to see a lot of those, right? A lot yep. of those get paid. And so just to touch on the college pitchers, the college Tommy John pitchers, there's aren't, are there any others actually? Um, it's funny because you and I both had Connor Prelip going 14th to the Mets. Um, so again, I think we've kind of heard some of the same things, also thinking the same, to probably more thinking philosophically with the Mets having the extra pick for not signing Kumar Rocker last year. He's kind of a perfect fit. He throws Monday. Um, I'm going to go, actually, because the CC tournament's the next day mm-hmm. anyway. Cool. But I feel like Prelip's case, I, I want to know if you agree with this. I've made this argument in a few places now. Prelip is very different than the other guys. All the other college Tommy John guys and Lesko and Colt uh, Phillips from Texas high school pitchers have had Tommy John. Everyone else has had it so recently, we're not seeing anything, right? We're taking guys off basically the surgeon's notes. Whereas Prelip, he could pitch. It sounds like he's only going to just do some pens um, yeah. for scouts. But at least he gets to show what I've called the proof of life, right? I'm back. I'm, I'm healthy enough to get on the mound and throw hard. So here I am. You can actually see something. Whereas none of these other guys, you know, uh, Peyton Pallett and Reggie Crawford and Landon Sims, we some of them we saw before the surgery, but can't see anybody post-surgery. And to me, that puts Prelip in a slightly better position than these other guys, even though prior to the surgery, we barely saw him. And do you agree that 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 is enough to maybe push him up and make him maybe that first college Tommy John guy taken. I, I think so. Uh, right. Just because, you know, listen, there's, there's always going to be a recency bias, you know? Uh, yes. So like, if you get to see a guy uh, and listen, he, he talked boxes, right. He's, he's big, strong lefty. The mm-hmm. stuff was really, really good. And this was a guy who, uh, before he broke down people, you know, uh, the scouting industry doesn't look too far ahead. Right. Um, but they'll make note of a guy at a, at a big program in a big conference. Like, well, this, this guy looks like a top of the draft kind of guy. If everything continues the way it looks and then he broke down. So there's that memory. And if he goes out and looks like it, then, yeah, I think even in putting him where I did, mm-hmm. it was the, if it looks like he's healthy in the medical, you know, pans out. Okay. Then this is the range where I think he probably goes um somewhere in that in that vicinity and hey you know the uh 
the angels wanted to do that since they only take pictures now, I guess, Um, (laughs) uh, you know, and that's, you know, I gave them, I gave them Robbie Snelling. Yep. Um, Big time riser. Yeah. Yeah. Well, another, another high school, uh, another high school arm to sort of filling that gap left by all these, these college guys. Then, then I think, uh, you know, I think Prelip could maybe, you know, move up a spot or two from where, from where he is based on, based on that. And the other guys, you know, some of those guys, you met, I mean, Reggie Crawford's, I mean, he's thrown like four pitches in his life, you know, it's, you know, right. So sure. It was really exciting looking stuff, but I think he's got 11 innings, something like that. Yeah. For real. Position player. Yeah. In his entire career, 11 innings. So I'm like, yeah. what do you, what do you do with that? How do you take that guy? Right. Uh, I mean, you can, right. But wh- how do you value that guy would be a better Wait, how do you properly evaluate him when basically we got a couple of looks at Team USA and and that was it? And then it, it's exciting, but yeah, he may be like a seventh inning guy. Like I don't know. I, I honestly don't have know. no idea. People were very excited and then never got to see him again. So yep. um he's like the Moby Dick of this uh right. this trap. But uh so you know, some of the guys like that. And then you know, you mentioned Carson Wisenhunt, who's not hurt. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different thing because like he could go out and throw well, but he's going to have to answer some questions. Yep. Um, because, uh, because of the nature of his suspension, you know. Yes. So, you know, if he could move up, if and when he's interviewing with teams and talking to teams, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, I don't know if he's going to the draft combine, but he's a guy who could really benefit from going to the draft combine only for he could sit down and talk to 30 teams. Yes. And that's, sure. you know, that, 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 and that could happen whether he goes to the combine or not, but like, he's going to have to satisfactorily answer those questions before teams are going to be, you know, cause like, well, he looked like he had good stuff, but was he aided or right. was that, was it truly an honest mistake? Uh, you know? Yep. And supposedly he's going to pitch on the Cape at least once or twice, which mm-hmm. will help. I mean, I think the Cape, you know, it's different. The Cape always used to be, let's look at next year's class. And now Folks are saying, wait, we got to go take a look at some of this year's guys. Yeah. You know, what if Collier's there? Wisenhunt for sure. I mean, he's reason enough for people to send their current, you know, their present year scouts, essentially. What used to be the time when it's, like I said, you turn the page, look at next year. No, no, no. Go up and get see Wisenhunt. No, I was going to say, you know, we should go to sort of switching gears entirely. It was like Chase DeLauder should go to the Cape. Yes. Yep. Because let's say he was good on the Cape. His numbers are silly, but there were kind of questions mm-hmm. about how it all worked at the plate. Yep. And I talked to a bunch of scouting directors like I was planning to go back in and see him. And then he broke his foot. Yep. So, I mean, it, he's going to go well enough just because the, the tools are impressive. But like if you had those questions, boy, you know, handful of that bats back on the Cape when he's healthy again would help. That would help him. Oh God, I completely agree. Yeah, I saw I, him. I, yeah. I was very disappointed in what I saw from him, and I wasn't even at the Florida State games where you know people were joking there were fifty dollar bills flying out of his pockets against those two lefties in the Florida yeah, State. Yeah, he struggled rotation. there. It's amazing how many people held on to those two games. Yeah, a month later when he's hitting four ten, and I understand the conference isn't great and things like that, but uh, you know more walks than strikeouts. I mean, there are a lot of good things, and people kept going back to well. Face those two lefties. It was the opening weekend of the season. I'm not, you know, I have no stake in this game. I'm not, I'm not that some huge Chase Delauder fan, but I was like, Mm -hmm. I feel like that was um, putting a lot into just two games right out of the gate for me. Yes. I think the, the counter argument, you pointed out that people don't like how it works. I've pointed out some of the things I don't like about it. He opens up early and does he cheat to get to velocity? The best argument I heard from folks who were at those games is, 
those are major league arms. Right. And that's the closest thing because his conference is bad, obviously. Yeah. And that does not help. And this is – but to your point, him going to the Cape would be tremendous for him because he didn't get the chance to erase those memories, right? The people saw – so many people ran in and saw him there against Florida State and then didn't get a chance to double back. So he didn't get the opportunity to make yeah. people forget what happened there. And I would not – you mentioned recency bias earlier – that is so true in the draft where it is what's the what happened the last time you saw a guy right often weighs maybe a little too heavily people probably went to go see that more than they necessarily would have because like oh here's a chance to see chase the who by the way hit nine homers in the cape last summer right so he's tremendous on the cape right and you know and i've heard from some scouts that like you know that there are, I think there are some scouts and some teams who discount the Cape a little bit more because the pitching is not nearly as good as it used to be. Agreed. Which is fine, but he's still more walks than strikeouts, slugged 589 with wood in his hands. Like that means something. So they went in saying, well, let's see him against really good competition. And he was terrible. So, so I, so I understand that. So mm-hmm. Chase Delauder, if you're listening to this, <laughs> go to the Cape. Go to the Cape. We are apparently we're evangelists for the Cape. <laughs> I guess. Yes. I've been there in years, man. I'd love to go back. I'm real well now with Wizen Hunt there. I might try to see if I can stay. I haven't been there since pre-pandemic, at least. Um, maybe further back than that. Before I let you go, just yes. we'll throw this open. A guy who doesn't have to be someone who was on your mock, but a name to watch for, who's kind of you know caught your eye, think is rising very quickly. You know, maybe he's someone who sneaks into the first round. Just somebody to. For folks maybe who aren't even folks who follow the draft, somebody who maybe they aren't that familiar yet, who you think has a chance to make some noise, whether it's late first round, comp round, over slot, wherever you want to go. I'm going to give you two. One's like an obvious, sure, because uh, we we you know we mentioned all the injured college arms. Yep. So I got to mention the best healthy one, and that's Gabe Hughes. Yeah. Who, I, you know, I feel like every year there's one college guy that I, I kind of like. I really dig this guy, mm-hmm. and he's a little. It's not even the same stuff. It's not the same, you know, same guy, but like he's a little Mike McGreevy just in yeah. terms of a guy who's like, he's, you know what? He's big. Mm-hmm. He was not like a, a huge name coming in. Um, I think he had a little bit more of a track record than McGreevy did, but who's like risen up just because, I mean, he's been good pretty much week in and week out. Um, I've heard, you know, I know the, the the breaking ball is not great. But he's six four. He's you know he's he's got three pitches. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he's he's kind of a guy that uh, you know that I, I I like. And I don't know why. I like maybe I hang out with Harold Reynolds too much. I like guys from the Pacific <laughs> Northwest. We're always talking about these guys, you know, because they're it's, it's sort of similar to the cold weather, you know, cold weather thing. So uh, so mm-hmm. I like him. Probably should talk about Justin Crawford, right? Sure. I mean. I don't know that that fits the exact description of what you said, but I'm oh, taking more open-ended. It's a guy you want to talk about. Yeah. So he's another guy. And we mentioned Robbie Snelling. You know, the state of Nevada is the, the two guys who are like really rising up. And Justin Crawford, like we, we're going to update our rankings when we expand. He's at 37 right now. Uh, he may go in the top 10 picks, you know, certainly top 15 mm-hmm. at this point. I keep hearing that. So we keep kind of sneaking up. This is Carl Crawford's kid. Um, if you sense a theme, there are, there are a yeah. lot of bloodlines in this year's draft. Speaking of feeling old, yeah, I dropped this on someone last night, just a, a parent of my one of my daughter's classmates who's a big baseball fan. I said, you remember Carl Crawford, right? Because yeah, I said, his kid is graduating from high school this year. And he kind of paused for a second 
to sort of let that sink in. Like, how is Carl Crawford old enough? Wait a minute. Right? That's very uncomfortable. I covered Carl Crawford in the Futures game. Oh! (laughs) So, like, prospects. Someone sent me a video, by the way, of Cameron Mabin's kid, who's only, he's 14. Yeah. But I'm like, come on. Um, he was a high school draftee just like, you know, a couple of years ago in 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So Justin Crawford is a guy. He's at Bishop Gorman High School. It's a big power. It's where Joey Gallo went to, to high school, mm-hmm. uh, among others. And his name just keeps floating up. Uh, shouldn't shock anyone who remembers Carl Crawford that he can really run. He really run. Funny how that works. Uh, he can hit, you know, like, so he, he's an exciting guy. And I'm curious to see, like, where that that helium stops exactly with him. Yep. Um, I will just throw one name out Please. there um, because any, he, he sneaked into the very back of my mock, despite not being on my top 100. When I posted that a couple weeks ago, Max Wagner at Clemson, who just has kind of, you want to talk about recency bias. He's hit about, he's got 23 homers on the season and two thirds of them have come in the last month. Huh. He just kind of went on a tear and all of a sudden it was funny. One day I got multiple texts after never hearing the guy's name at all. It was sort of like, Max Wagner might go in the first round. You know, it's like very, very hush hush, right? Somebody, if you remember Sesame Street, you know, how'd you like to buy the letter M? <laughs> and so all of a sudden, I actually saw Max Wagner. I got, because he went to, they were at Coastal. It was a cheap flight. I went down there and it's like, oh, yeah, this is, yeah, I could see that. And I'm looking more, actually, less looking at the player and more looking at who else was in the stands with me. It's like, oh, y'all are here? Okay, clearly this player is going a lot higher than I'd realized. That's interesting. Yeah, th- there are a couple guys like that. I think, you know, we keep hearing Roman Anthony's name. Yes. And like, he's not in our top 150. He wasn't <laughs> on my top 100. Uh, I, like, we're, he's going to get added and probably, in, obviously, based on what the industry is saying. But I remember talking to people about him early and like mm-hmm. pe- people didn't think he could hit. And he's, you know, had himself a spring. So he, he's he's another one of those guys that I'm like, he could go in the people are like he could go in the first round. I'm like, yeah, come on. Um, yeah. I heard so, the same thing. Like yeah. he could, he not not nothing specific. What you right. he could Back go into in the, the first, first round. round. Yeah, yep. we'll see. I I bet you he's more of a comp or second round kind of guy. But listen, every year there are these high school hitters that people don't think are first round picks who go in the first round just because there's that one team. It's like we really like them. We don't think he's going to get to our next pick, so yep. we better, you know, we we better take him. Um, you know, so he's another one uh, that I think is sort of interesting. That like all of a sudden I was like, this was not a guy we had on a list, and you know, and not because like oh we just whiffed. That always happens. Um, sure. First to admit it, but I'd specifically been told like no, he shouldn't be on your list. And now all of a sudden like yeah, he should be on your list. Yes, right. That's the uh, to me that is the most. Um, one of the most interesting parts of the job is that we can do all of this work, have all these conversations, go to a summer event or two or three, whatever, and then we still get to mid-May, and it's like, here's this guy, here's a college guy who belongs on your list, and not just at the bottom, but he should be like in your top 50. Yeah. So I, I enjoy that, and despite it being, yes, obviously, he should have been on my list earlier, so what? That makes it fun. Uh, when guys pop up like that, it's just interesting. I think it's... um you know, I think it's the kind of thing where like you can be certain in in you know what you think you know as long as you leave room for the like oops. Oops. Right? Yep. It's a lot like of oops a, in this job. Oh, all the time. That's why I like to remind you about Colton Wong whenever I have the chance. Oh, there you go. Were you hot very high on Colton Wong? 
higher than you were. Yes, I was very low on Colton <laughs> I Wong. I know, I know. Yeah, very low on Colton Wong, absolutely. Colton Wong and Chris Sale. Um, but you know, like we all have Colton Wongs, right? We yeah. all have guys, we all have guys like that, but you know, I like to take you down a peg when I get the, you episode. should absolutely. <laughs> I had it coming. Uh, my guest today has been Jonathan Mayo of MLB.com. He covers the draft. He covers the minors. You can and should follow him on Twitter at Jonathan Mayo, M-A-Y-O, like the condiment, right? Sure. More, you're more of an aioli though. Uh, yeah, a little spicy one. There you go. I like that. I'm big on Chipotle mayo. I'm a. I am now a Wawa guy living in this area. Yes, and, you have to uh, be. I I get the Chipotle mayo when I get a sandwich from. Wawa. There you go. I just won't call them hoagies. That's where that's, I draw the line. Uh, my, you know, they called me Chipotle mayo back in my college days. I like that actually. And I, I went. To, I went to school in Philly. I don't think they had Chipotle mayo back then yet. No, probably not. Yeah, yeah or they would have said it wrong if they did. Yes. So, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me. Anytime, Keith. That's all for this week's show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe, everyone. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.